If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning. Welcome from Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Will you join me in prayer? We're three weeks in, Holy One, and pausing to review how we've transitioned into the new year. Some of us made resolutions and set intentions. We're still learning new schedules and routines, trying to find our rhythm. We're still reminding ourselves that we decided to leave certain habits back in 2023. Practice makes progress. Even those of us who didn't make resolutions or set intentions have still had to make adjustments. At first, it was terrible trying to remember to use 2024 when writing the date. We still get it wrong sometimes, but we're getting faster at correcting ourselves. It's very close to becoming natural, no thinking required. Practice makes progress. It's a good reminder that this is how it goes for learning all kinds of new things, including someone's pronouns. It's the same concept, learn, practice, make corrections. Grant us grace and grit, Holy One, as we make progress. We trust that you are cheering us on. We pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us that change is possible. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 and 10. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk. And he cried out, 40 days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God 
changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. I am sure you remember from last week's sermon that we started with a short detour about the lectionary, how it is a three-year cycle of weekly lections used in varying degrees by the vast majority of mainline Protestant churches, and it's built around the seasons of the church year. During most of the year, every Sunday, the preacher gets to choose from four different readings, something from the Hebrew Bible, a psalm, a reading from one of the epistles, and a reading from one of the gospels. I noted last week that not every single verse in the Bible is included in the lectionary. And in fact, the most well-known part of the story we read today is not included. Or really, I should say that the most well-known character of this story is not included in the lectionary reading for today. The missing character I'm referring to is, of course, the whale. It wasn't in there. We, we don't tell this story as is, if it is the story of Jonah. It's the story of Jonah and the whale. The Hebrew text actually does not refer to any particular marine species, instead simply saying great fish or big fish, but still, we do not tell the story without naming the whale. The whale is to Jonah as Toto is to Dorothy, or Sandy is to Orphan Annie, or for something more contemporary, like the snowy white owl Hedwig is to Harry Potter. Of course, Jonah and the whale aren't exactly friends, but still, we really don't think of Jonah without thinking of the whale. So much so that when I read the text just moments ago, you may not have noticed that the six verses we read did not include the whale because your brain just added it in. We would have to read the first chapter to get the detail of the whale, so let me do that. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, go at once to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. Then the sailors were afraid and each cried to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. The captain came to him and said, What are you doing? Sound asleep. Get up and call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we do not perish. And the sailors said to one another, Come, let us cast lots so that we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us why this calamity has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? 
I am Hebrew, he replied. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done to us? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quieten down for us? For the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more stormy against them. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, O Lord, we pray, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the Mirian feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days. And three nights. Chapter two, don't worry, I'm not gonna read the whole thing, <laughs> consists of Jonah's prayer, nine verses long, responded to by God in verse 10. Then the Lord spoke to the fish and it puked out Jonah upon the dry land. <laughs> I just wanted to say puke from the pulpit. I mean, that's the story we know, right? That is the story that we know. But as the lectionary had us read it today, we enter the story halfway through. And arguably, after all the interesting stuff has happened, it is interesting, the idea that a human could be swallowed whole by a whale. People have spent real time and effort seeking evidence that this could really happen, that Jonah could have really been in the belly of a whale for three days and lived to tell about it. One such story is told of a whaling ship called the Star of the East. In 1947, Natural History magazine published a newly discovered letter from 1891 pinned by a sailor about the ship. The letter claimed that sailor James Barley fell off the Star of the East and was swallowed by a large sperm whale. Some 15 hours later, the whale was caught and killed by Barley's shipmates. When they cut open the whale, they found Barley alive, but unconscious. His skin was bleached by the gastric acid of the whale, but he was alive. It was quite an exciting tale at the time, but sadly, in follow-up articles to the original, it was revealed that Barley's story was fiction, a letter written by a mischievous sailor to excite landlubbers. Progressive Christians typically lean less into the literal interpretation of the text, although we still really like that big fish component. When we tell our children the story in Sunday school, we talk about how the story is describing to us what it is like when we try to run from God's love and what bitterness and self-isolation and meanness feel like, what it does to our insides what it did to Jonah's insides, cutting off light and connection, putting us in a place of suffocation and making the world acidic and hostile. 
To be fair to Jonah, though, none of us would have wanted to go to Nineveh either. The city was a hot mess. Or so the history books tell us. If you go to Nineveh today, you can tour ancient remains where the carvings on the palace walls depict Assyrian soldiers flaying the naked bodies of Jonah's own countrymen. Bloodthirsty terrorists from Nineveh had participated in a genocidal destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel and were occupying and taxing the southern kingdom. We don't tell the kids about that until they're older. But when the story is put into its historical context, it is indeed easier to sympathize with Jonah and his absolute refusal to go on this mission of mercy from God. Jonah's refusal to go might also have been because he thought that the odds of the Ninevites confessing and repenting was not just very, very low. It must have seemed to Jonah that it was a pipe dream, not going to happen, wildly out of character. Jonah seemed to think that the chances that the Ninevites would respond favorably to God's call were nil, too big of a stretch, completely unrealistic. To put it in our context, Repentance on the part of the Ninevites would be akin to Oklahoma Senator Mark Wayne Mullen apologizing for challenging the Teamsters president to an MMA fight floor on the floor of Congress and then becoming a teacher of meditation and mindfulness, peace, and nonviolence. <laughs> or it would be like the Thunder owners suddenly saying what while they appreciate the offer of a taxpayer-funded arena, they've decided to use their significant profits they've made over the last decade to build it themselves so that the city can focus on affordable housing, living wages, and social services. Or it would be as if Superintendent Ryan Walters paid back the taxpayer funds he's been using to travel to Moms for Liberty speaking engagements and instead volunteered full-time with Americans United for the Separation of Church and State. <laughs> when it comes to these scenarios of confession and repentance, the odds are not in our favor. This had to have been how Jonah felt. No faith whatsoever that there was hope any chance, likelihood, potential, or workability that this would happen. And that's a dangerous place for a soul to be in. The only way to describe what that does to a person's heart is to tell it the way that the author of our text did, to say that one has been swallowed whole and there is no light, no connection, no air to breathe. The powers that be have already started trying to convince us that there is no hope, that walking towards the fray will just get us beat up, that the death spiral our state is in cannot be stopped. You know what I'm talking about. The Oklahoma legislative session begins two weeks from tomorrow, and the trash bills are already piling up. One states that students who pretend to be animals at school shall not be allowed to participate in school curriculum or activities, and if their parents can't come pick them up, animal control services will be contacted to remove the student. 
or the blatantly racist House Bill 3133, which states in part that any person who is of Hispanic descent is a member of a criminal street gang or has been convicted of a gang-related offense shall be deemed to have committed acts of terrorism. According to that legislation, if you're white and a member of a criminal street gang and commit some gang-related offense, it's somehow different. House Joint Resolution 1046 would enshrine into the state constitution that personhood begins at conception, which of course is a direct path to prosecuting Oklahomans for a range of pregnancy-related experiences, including miscarriages and pregnancies that are not viable. But as we know, God is calling us to shape our community into a place that looks more like the kingdom of heaven. And we can certainly ignore God. We can write off this whole mess. We can let our hearts be hardened. We can decide that there is no hope, no chance, no opportunity for course correction. But that means we will allow ourselves to be swallowed whole, to be without light, breath, or connection. And not only that, we'll miss the chance to do the good that is ours to do. After all, some very important work is also happening at 23rd and Lincoln. We have the chance in House Bill 2351 to increase access to affordable insulin for folks without health insurance and to bolster federal investments for infrastructure at the local level, which is so important to our steel workers and union members with Senate Bill 1212. There's also an opportunity to add requirements for paid family leave to our business incentives and to also extend the eviction time from five days to 10 days, as well as the chance to decriminalize HIV. But only, but only if we don't run in the other direction only if we head into the fray, only if we trust that all of us are going to do what we can, where we are, with what we have, only if we trust that God is working in ways that we cannot see, only if we uncross our hearts, which we can start by uncrossing our arms. God grant us the wisdom and courage to not give up on each other. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.